new series entitled Rocks from the Bottom of the River. Last week, Pastor Greg opened us up with a great message, and um, he shared with us our core scriptures, which are from chapters 3 and 4 of Joshua. And that's where the Israelites are going to cross the Jordan River on the way to go to battle. And God parted the Jordan River for them to pass through, much like he pardoned the Red Sea. And he told the Joshua that when he parts the Jordan River and they carry the ark into the middle of the river, he wanted them to stop in the middle, the guys that were holding the ark. It was the presence of God. And he wanted them to stop in the middle and allow all the Israelites to pass through. And he did that. And then God told Joshua, what I want you to do is once all the Israelites have passed through, I want you to pick 12 men, one to represent each tribe. And I want them to gather a stone from the middle of the river and put it on their shoulder and take it to where they're going to sleep tonight. And they did that. They all grabbed a stone and they passed through and they put it at the camp. And when Joshua got there, he made a pile of all these stones, much like these stones here around the altar. And, these, and he said that these are a memorial to the future generations for when they ask, Mom and Dad, what do those stones represent? And they represent when God parted the Jordan and let us pass through. And last week, Pastor Greg talked about prophetic promises. And he encouraged everybody to take a card and write down four times that God has shown up for you in your life. And these are to be your rocks from the bottom of the river. And today, we're going to hear a very powerful testimony from Angel and Jenny Vasquez, about how God showed up for them, and he's given them their rocks from the bottom of the river. So we're going to watch the video, and I just want to let you know, when Jenny refers to Junior, she's talking about Angel, just so that you're, you're aware of it, but let's watch the, let's watch the video. My name is Jenny Vasquez, and I was brought up in a broken home. My father was a heroin addict, and he died of AIDS. My mother was into witchcraft, Santeria. And um, at the age of 11 years old, my mother got very sick, and I adopted the responsibilities of raising my two sisters while taking care of her. My name is Angel Vasquez, and um. I was brought up with two loving parents. They were great parents. Um, fortunately, when we got to the age of 15, uh, my parents got divorced. And um, that's where my life kind of changed. Um, not knowing God, um, my only um, outlet was the streets. Being with the wrong people, the wrong crowd, um, yet being with the wrong crowd, they showed you the act of being a family, being together, and, you know, being with one another, looking out for each other, taking care of each other, um, and let me to do different, different things that weren't right. Before I met Junior, I pretty much took the responsibility of raising my sisters and Everything that I did was what an adult should have done. My, young, my childhood was pretty much taken away because I had to quickly grow up and raise my sisters. I took them to school. I came home. I did homework with them. 
I bathed them, I put them to bed because my mother was hospitalized and we were alone for quite some time. I had to take in that responsibility and keep what was normal um, for my two sisters, keep up the appearance of normalcy for them and to make sure that no one else would know that we were alone. When I met Junior, I was looking for someone who would take care of me. I didn't have a father image in my life and I was looking for someone who can be my friend, someone who I would feel safe with, somebody I would feel protected with. My mother was saved, got saved and turned away from witchcraft. And at that time she was on fire for the Lord and invited me and Junior to go to church. Um, 1993, we went to church and on an Easter Sunday, we got saved and we accepted the Lord. Um, when I met Jen, um, I was, I just got a divorce and I had moved in with my mom. And um, Jen lived upstairs and that's how I got to meet her. And um, we spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of time talking. I felt that was my escape, that someone would hear me. And um, I would hear her. Her mom became my best friend. When she invited me to church, um, never been to church and um, the service haven't even started, and I was just crying, not knowing why. But um, that day I accepted the Lord as my Lord and Savior. And I have never turned back. Once we both got saved, our, our journey just began. Um, we dedicated our lives to serving. Um, I served in the Usher's ministry for about 16, 17 years. Um, she has well served in the choir, kids ministry. Um, we also uh, got together, we used to feed the homeless with the church and it was our home, it was our own home. In the midst of being involved in ministry and being on fire for God, there was still such an emptiness in my heart. There was an emptiness in my heart and I just didn't understand what was going on. Um, Junior, the great provider that he has always been and still is today, um, because he was working so many hours, he was absent and it left me feeling like a single parent. And that led me to feeling very alone carrying all the weight of parenting my children. In the midst of that, um, there was someone that, there were people in, this, in the system, in the job that I was working at, who were able to help me with my kids. And um, I became close with um, one of the um, women there who became very close with me and was able to help me and was close to the family. Um, we trusted her into the home. She became part of the family. Um, and it was the very same person that I walked out on my marriage um, and then ended up leaving with her. 
finding out everything that was going on, um, it really broke me. I didn't know how to feel. Um, one thing I did feel was less of a man. I felt I lost my wife to a woman. Um, and that really stuck with me. And it was, um, it was something that I just kept going over in my head. Where did I go wrong? You know, what happened? Where did I go wrong? And being home and having the kids with me was, it wasn't easy because I worked a lot of hours. Um, on top of that, my mother-in-law was downstairs um, fighting cancer for the third time. Um, soon she um, she passed away, and I felt as of I lost my wife. Now I lost my best friend. She was actually the pillar of my home, always praying. And um, all I could do is turn to God even more now. Now, in the bed where she lies, where she used to sleep, I had the Bible. I would read and cry every day, um, asking God to heal my marriage, to fix my marriage. When I left the home to be in this relationship, I was escaping. I was escaping the responsibilities of always being in charge, of being taking care of my taking care of my children as much as I loved them, my family. I loved them. I loved them very much, but I knew that there was an emptiness inside of me. And so that made me escape. And I thought that I was going to leave this place, my home to be in this relationship, it was gonna be an escape to, from everything. But very shortly, I realized I started experiencing the torture, no sleep. I even felt like one night that nights that I didn't wanna get up because I didn't wanna repeat the cycle again. And I asked God, just keep me from waking up. I would live this double life for five years. I lived a double life for five years. I would go every day because I felt torn. With the sin, I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but I didn't know how to get out of it. During that time when Jen left, um, she would come in, come to the house almost every day and um, take care of the house, feed the kids. And actually, sometimes we would sit down and talk because we were still friends. and. Um, I would pray and say, God, maybe this is the day she stays, but um, she will leave. And this just went on for a couple of years. And um, I guess I gave up. I didn't think that God was gonna restore our marriage or get us back together. So um, I just started um, dating. Um, and while I was dating, I was still married. And while I was, while I was dating, I was trying to get a, a divorce. So 
since I hardly see Jen, I got an uncontested divorce. And I don't know how, but it was declined. And I got another uncontested divorce again. And that one got declined also. And I remember a day at church with Maria Derso asking me, how's my wife? And um, I just said, I guess she's doing good. Um, I had no information about her to say anything. And I shared with Maria that I tried to get a divorce um, twice. And when I told her it was declined, she said, that's never been heard of. She says, God is speaking. You need to go see your wife. In the midst of being in this place where I was, in this relationship, living in the place that I was living in, I struggled back and forth with going back. But shame kept me. Shame kept me grounded. Shame kept me paralyzed. Shame almost convinced me that this is the way that I need to live so that I can protect my family and not disclose the awful things that I did. And I, I knew that some of people were praying for me. I knew that there were family, couples that loved us at Christ Tabernacle, the church that we used to go to. They were praying for us. They never judged us. They would reach out to me and that shame kept me. But one day I was alone in this apartment and I was in the shower and I remember I was crouched down and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. Listen, you have to get me out of this place. You have to rescue me. You have to get me out of here because I can't do it by myself. And I remember picking up the phone, coming out drenched wet with a towel, and I called my sister Jessica. And I said, Jesse, you need to come get me. I can't get out of this place. I don't even know what to do. My feet are, sh are paralyzed to the ground. And would you come get me? Get me out of here now. And Jessica came. I don't even know what she took. She said a van, but I really believe it was a jet. <laughs> and she was there in the flash of a lightning. And she would she stormed into that apartment and told me, what is, where are your things? She went around and said, where are your things? Just point at it. And she yanked me out of there. And it was the first time that I ever felt like this is something great that's going to happen to me. I didn't know what was going to I was scared. I was still filled with shame. But I knew that there was something, that, that God was going to begin something new in my life. And that I had to walk a journey through healing. After leaving this apartment, this place, Pastor Rivera offered me a program called New Life Home. And I um, accepted to go in there. And I was in this program for 25 months. While I was there, God began to heal my heart. Because one of the things I asked God for was to heal my heart and to heal my husband's heart. To restore the love for me, for him, for me, and my love for him. Because before I left, he told me that he didn't love me anymore. And I told him that I didn't love him anymore. And so only God can restore um, the love that I was asking for. And it was there where he gave me, he healed me. He 
filled my heart with hope. He began to show me who I was in him. He began to forgive. I felt forgiveness because I knew he forgave me. But at that time, I fasted. I prayed and I never gave up and I asked God restore my love restore my marriage God would you restore my family back to me I will walk this I will sacrifice 25 months for a life of freedom and heal me and that he will restore my family back to me my husband back to me and heal both our hearts um, after being after talking with Maria Derson her saying to visit my wife I spoke to my sister-in-law Jess and um, she made it happen. I didn't know how to feel about seeing my wife after I seen her for over two years. Um, in in my mind, I was still saying that you know, there's there's no love. Um, I was just taking the kids to see their mom, and um, God had another plan. When I went to go see my my wife, immediately when I saw her, it was like my heart had a zipper and it opened up. And all the feelings that I thought I never had for her were there. And God showed me that that day, this is the woman for you. We're coming into the house. seeing my wife for two years and knowing that God had restored the love that I thought wasn't there from both of us um, going back home uh, I had to make a decision to to move here to New Hampshire because my wife was not going back to New York and that was a tough decision for me because I had everything there but I remember Pastor Durso preaching and saying, when God calls you, you just go. Um, when I graduated the program, um, we moved into our first apartment together. And it was a bit bumpy because I was getting to know this man that I haven't been with in five years, seven years, really, two years with the, including the program. And he's getting to know me, the new me. You know, the let we speak different, I speak differently, I, I look differently, I feel differently. And getting to know that new me, me getting to know him, it was a little bit challenging. So though it was bumpy, it was great. It was wonderful. 
because I knew that I was exactly where I needed to be and that God had healed my heart and that we were gonna do this together and that we were never, ever, ever gonna look back. And we just were super excited in our new life. And so I thank God that even though it was bumpy, we didn't get off. We kept the journey. We kept on that journey. Being bumpy, being on a bumpy road, it wasn't gonna stop me. It was only gonna push us to draw closer to one another and closer to God. Today I can honestly say that God is the center of my home. I have a wife that prays with me. Mm. We read the word together. We have date night. One in the house, one outside the house. And whatever we go through, whatever comes our way, we're in it together. What would I say to another Jenny and Junior that lived or is walking currently in the life that we did? I would say, find someone you trust and share. Don't let shame keep you from sharing. Find someone you trust. Leave no secret unturned. Leave no secret unturned. Find someone, but don't let shame keep you because shame will kill you. I just want to share a verse. It says, uh, be still and know that I am God. If you know that God can do all this, God is in control of everything. God can do wonders as he did for us. And um, no matter when things look like they're not going in the right direction, know that God is doing things in his order. God is always working. God brought you back to me. And this is still the end. Wow, that's so powerful. And Angel and Jenny, thank you guys. I thank you for being obedient. I thank you for being vulnerable. It's not easy to share something that personal with a room full of people that you don't know. And I know that they want to give glory for how he's moved in their lives. Um, But this is also Angel and Jenny and... Jonathan's last Sunday with us today as they're moving to Georgia this week. They're moving to Georgia to be with their daughter and son-in-law and family. So, <laughs> I brought this box of Kleenex. Hang on. Um, we're going to miss you guys. We love you. Um, there's cake downstairs afterwards too. So if you guys want to go say goodbye. But I want to tell you a couple of things. When I first watched this video, a couple of things struck me. that How a good marriage just went sideways. And how they made it back. But when I watched it again, I noticed a couple other things. I noticed how the enemy worked. I noticed how the enemy presented what seemed to be an easy way out. He put a detour sign in front of them and directed them down the wrong path. And then he pitted them against each other. And he fueled it with disappointment and shame and guilt. And he kept them apart by pinning them down with discouragement. And he used the lures of this world as his bait. 
But I noticed also that when God started to move, Satan ran out of tools. I know there's people here today. You're in the same boat. Maybe you think your marriage isn't working anymore. Maybe you think that you've lost your feeling towards your spouse. Maybe the fun days have just become a drudgery of going to work, of changing diapers, of cleaning the house, paying the bills, and flopping into bed and doing it all over again tomorrow. Maybe you've raised your kids, and now you're in a marriage, and you look at your spouse, and you just say, you're a stranger to me. My spark is gone, and you've grown apart. Maybe in your private thoughts, you're looking for a way out. Maybe you feel like you're trapped with no end in sight. Maybe the enemy's presenting you with a detour that looks appealing. Maybe it's not your marriage today that's got you pinned down. Maybe it's another situation in your life, and it just seems hopeless, and you've lost your joy, and you're exhausted, and you feel like you want to give up. Maybe you have a relationship in your life that's gone sideways and it seems irreparable. Maybe you sit here today and you have a secret. And that secret's keeping you pinned down and filled with shame and guilt. And you're scared to bring it out in the open. And that fear has you paralyzed. Let me talk to you about our enemy for one second. Our enemy uses the subtlety of sin as his greatest tool. He presents sin in such a subtle way that we don't recognize it or we rationalize it and before we know it we're knee deep in sin Mark 4.19 says the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and they choke the word of God making it unfruitful but you guys we have to understand something about the enemy we are not his end game his fight is with God not with you Anything that he can do to hurt God is his main goal. You're just a pawn in the game, and he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care what it takes to steal from you, to destroy you. If it hurts God, that's what he wants. You're just a pawn. And he doesn't have to destroy you. He just has to distract you from God. Whenever he pulls somebody away from God, that's his goal, is to get you away from God. But let me take a moment to talk about this God that we serve. God weeps for you. When he sees you in that situation, when you're hopeless, when you're apart from him, he weeps for you. And God loves you. No matter how far you are. And nothing is too big for God. Nothing. Would you say that? Say it with me. Nothing. When Jesus caught, when they caught the woman in adultery when he was here, he came up to her. You know what he did? He got down in the dirt with her. He said, if any of you haven't sinned, throw the stone at her. And he put his head down. And he sat on the dirt with her. And waited for that rock to hit him in the head. You serve a God who gets in the dirt with you guys. This is the God that you serve. He gets in the dirt and he waits with you and all he does is ask you, would you surrender it to me? Would you give me that shame and that guilt that you carry? The disappointment? I asked God when I was watching the video, I said, why did it take seven years, God, for Angel and Jenny to get back together? And he said, Steve, it took seven years because I had to pull out the thistles and the weeds that had been growing in their heart and I had to replace them with love. 
He had to open their eyes and fight their battle. You know, we sang the song, even when I don't see that you're working, you're working. You work it out. If the prayer team can come forward. Today, we're going to close this service, you guys, by opening the altar in prayer. We've been bathing this service in prayer because I know, I know God's going to move. Some of you are going to move that needle today and you're going to make a shift. You're going to invite God in. And these stones that we're talking about, you guys, these stones in your lives, these are the stones that you step on so that you can step out of your disappointment, that you can step out of your situation, that you can step out of your shame and your guilt. Step on the stones for what God's done for you and step out. What is it in your life that you need to give God this morning, that you need to bring to the altar and leave it here today? What circumstance in your life do you want to invite God into so he can walk through it with you? And maybe your situation can't be returned to the way that it was. I get that. But God can restore you. He can restore your hope and your joy and your peace. If you're sitting there today and this is resonating with you and you're saying, I'm not getting up for prayer, that's the enemy. Don't let him talk to you. Tell him to shut up. Silence that. The way that we move that needle is we stand up and we come in prayer. We get prayed over and we tell him, go. Go in the authority that I have with Jesus Christ in my life. Go. So I want to invite you today, don't let shame and guilt. If you're worried about what the next step is, don't worry about that. That's what he wants you to do, is to worry about it. What do I do next when I expose my secret? What do I do next when when my marriage, when I do this? Don't worry about it. Come up and get prayer. Greg prayed for almost 30 years for his sister to come out of a cult. 30 years. Nate, your word is spot on. Not seven years, seven days, 30 years. How many of us would do that? But God worked on her heart over 30 years and replaced that. And she got out. She was delivered. 30 years of persistent prayer. You know when God parted that Jordan, do you know what happened? The next verse, it says, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. When God moves, look out. So I'm going to close this in prayer today. If this is you, I want you to come up and pray with us. If you got to go get the kids, get the kids and and you got to go, go, that's fine. If you want to stay, if you don't have a current battle today and you're doing good, praise God. It's coming. It's coming. But if you're in a good spot today and you can't hang around, pray for those who need it. If you got to go, go. So let's just pray. Oh, Father God, you, you're so awesome. I thank you, God, for what you did in Angel and Jenny's life. Lord, what took, took and what seemed to be so hopeless, Lord, you, you changed it. You put things back in their heart that the enemy had stolen and robbed from them, Lord. 
You took away the disappointment. You took away the shame, Lord. You took away the guilt. And you'll do it for any one of us this morning, God. Lord, I I lift up those in this room who are battling something, Lord. Whether it's their marriage, whether it's a circumstance, a relationship, a secret. I don't know what it is, God. But the enemy wants to keep them pinned down in their seat this morning, Lord. And I speak against that. Lord, I pray that you would anoint this time of prayer and deliver those today who come forward to seek you, God. I know that you'll get in the dirt with them. I know that you'll walk them through. You'll walk them out the other side. And as Jen said, it might be bumpy, but she's not getting off the road. May we stay on the road, Lord. May we pray and seek you and return to to you, Lord, when we've walked away. You don't care how far away we are today. You don't care how knee-deep or waist-deep or neck-deep in sin we've been, Lord. You still love us and you want us back. Father God, we praise you this morning. We give it to you, Lord. You're almighty, wonderful. And you fight our battles, Lord. So, Lord, we close out our service this morning and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and minister to those who are looking for you this morning. We praise you, Father God. In your name we pray. Amen. So, the Spirit of the Lord says, come. Would you all stand with us as we close? The Spirit of the Lord says, come. If you've got a burden, if you've got a challenge in your life, you don't know what to do, if you've got something that you need to, to pray, come. Now's the time. I, I want to see you come. I know the Spirit is here. Don't miss the opportunity when the anointing's here. If you're in a situation and you need to come, now's the time to come. I, I just get a sense that there's a lot of us that say, oh, I just we're coming up with every reason why we don't want to come up. No, come up. Kneel at the altar. There's something that's going to happen. Don't miss out on what God wants to do. Now's the time. The Spirit of the Lord says, come. You know, I, I know this saying, it says people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You ever hear that saying? We're all in a glass house this morning. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, I can't come and pray. Yes, you can. You can come. We're all in a glass house. We're all in this together and we're here to pray with you. So come. We're going to close in worship. If you need to go get your kids, that's fine. But come to the altar if you need prayer. Amen. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. We were.
singing over these brave people coming to the front. Listen. Declaring truth of God has power, even if it's not your situation. When you sing it over a group of people, the Bible says to edify, strengthen, and encourage one another with songs and hymns and words of encouragement and prophecy. So we can sing over a group of people. Amen. So let's just finish this song a little while longer. We're just going to declare it, even when I don't see it. Declare it over these people who need prayer this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Way make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Way make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Can we just lift our hands and just praise and thank God for what he's doing in people's lives? Come on, just put your hands together and just celebrate. Right now, people's marriages are being restored, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good, you are God, you are having your way. We bless you, Jesus. We praise you. Listen, keep an atmosphere of prayer in here as people are being ministered to. Have a great weekend. We love you. God bless.